I'm Sam Spiri, a Dutch psychologist and healthcare entrepreneur. In the past few years, I became inspired by Buurtzorg, a Dutch healthcare organization based on just a few basic principles. These principles translate into highly effective and sufficient care. I traveled to the south of France to speak with Thijs de Blok of Buurtzorg International. This is the principles of Buurtzorg. Welcome to the podcast. Here we are. Here we are. In the south of France. In the Provence. In the Provence of France. Where, where are we? I can't pronounce it. What is the... It's, it's the village of montbrun le bain And mm. if we look outside the window here, we see the Mont Ventoux. Yes. So it's, uh, it's an environment that makes you feel very small and very insignificant. And this is also, when I work from here, yeah. the things that I, I like to think of when I'm working in Holland or or in different places I can get quite yeah wound up about little things and and when I'm in France and I see these mountains and this vast nature it makes me feel insignificant and it calms me down a lot yeah it has it it makes you feel small right the mountains it makes you feel small and temporary yeah oh that's that's true what a really nice uh biking ride this morning yeah 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 it was very nice yeah now the cycling in this area is amazing some people that will listen to this will have been here for cycling trips it's more and more during the past two years that people picked up on on, on cycling um and yeah it's it's it, i think for for work-life balance it's a good sport to do you can think and process things whilst you're on a bike and it's got the endorphins of the speed when you go down as you witnessed this yeah, morning wow. it was really fast it was quite I fast know, yeah how many times did you reach the top of the moment so in the past two years i've been about eight times so it's often with friends and family coming over and they see this mountain in the background they say oh i also like to do that <laughs> and then i take them up and maybe in the in the future it can be sort of a of a retreat for uh for managers I yeah, think that it's they, a really that good they idea. start processing their own ideas whilst on a bike yeah it's also good for their physical health yeah see a lot of managers of organizations around me that could do with a bit of exercise you just go bicycle with them to the top of the mont go to the top of the mont make a whole program of it and then Once they're tired, try to explain them about the principles of Buurtzorg so they can't react a little <laughs> bit and, and they only they don't have an option but to take it in. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good idea. Yeah, that's a really that's a really good idea. Well those principles, that's where we're gonna talk about. Yeah, this the principles. Podcast, yeah. There's a lot of principles. Yeah, there were uh, well, 13 of them and the history, of course. Huh. 14 in included history. The principles of Buurtzorg, what, how, how did you get to those principles? I think the principles for Buurtzorg, the, 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 the 13 principles or the 14, um, are the principles that have been described by Jos and Ronnie, Art, myself, 
but there's a lot of implicit other principles as well. I think if you ask any nurse in the Netherlands, but also from our international partners, what are the principles, the, the, the main drivers behind Buurtzorg, yeah. you get different answers. Because for everybody, is a little piece that they take home from it and where they can put their own creativity and their own expression into the principles that connect Buto. And that's what also made it a, a success at the start, that everybody ID, yeah. everybody could see something in it. And, and also in, in, from political parties on a national and international level, eh, all, they all like something about it. It connects in various places. Um, but the principles that we described, yeah. and we will elaborate on today, um, are the ones that, that I think are most important for the consistency of the model. Yeah. And that's what we, what I hope to talk about. All 14 of them. Great. Y you told about the international part of Buurtzorg. Uh, the most people know Buurtzorg in the Netherlands as a really big healthcare company. Uh, what is Buurtzorg International? What, what do you guys do? Yeah. Yeah. Really big healthcare company. It's, it's, it's. Because we still behave like we're quite small. Yeah, yeah, with a lot of small teams, right? With a lot of Only decentralized teams. teams. So the 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 size of of the of the company is is often by ourselves, and but also by people that read or listen or view things about boots or misinterpreted because it's it it still has a cozy it cozy really feeling. Small, yeah. Um, but what does Buurtzorg International do? I think about six years ago, I was uh, uh, the, the the requests from an international yeah public were increasing. Yeah. Um, and as a nursing organization from the east of Holland. Uh, from we Almelo. did from Almelo. Almelo uh, it's it's one of the less inspiring parts of the country. Um, we 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 didn't have a good idea on what made us so special. We did, we just tried to do the right thing by and, and it worked providing the best possible care and also make the work quite fun to do and autonomous. But there was a lot of people from all over the world that were coming with questions, what, how can we implement the same in our environment? In care and not in healthcare, in all different kinds of ways. And it was this time that I was sitting down with Jos in, in, in Sweden uh, on a terrace and, and he was saying that ah, we have an idea of what we like to do, but we are only a nursing organization from, from the Netherlands. So we don't have a real idea about the context of the reality of the people. And for me, I was living abroad for quite a long time already. And from my own interest, I was studying the healthcare systems in the places. So for example, in, in, in England with the NHS, it can be a very good system, but yeah. they made a big mess of it. And it's very interesting to look at it, especially why, as an outsider yeah, or as a consumer as well. You traveled a lot before that, right? I traveled quite a lot, yeah. Mm. Yeah, it's uh, between countries like uh, when I was 19, 20 years old, I, I moved to Vietnam. Because how old are you? I know how old you are, but the listeners. I'm, 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 I'm 34, I'm nearly 
35. So years are getting on. Yeah. But uh, yeah, when I was when I was a teenager, I moved to Vietnam, and Vietnam, as some of you will know, is a former communist country. Yeah. So the healthcare system in general is quite good, because yeah. that's one of the pillars of communism. Everybody gets it's healthcare, the same, right? free healthcare yeah. for everyone, free schools for everyone. Yeah. Um, but it was very interesting to see on how on an integrated healthcare system. Where does the quality lie in, 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 in Western European countries or in North American countries? We have this perception quality lies in governancing. Yeah. We should control and check everything. But for communist countries or former communist countries, it's the control lies in educating the people well enough so they're actually equipped to do the job that they're supposed to be doing. It's quite interesting. And that was a whole new view for me on this sort of way of looking out on, on, on what does quality look like? What does healthcare uh, in, in, in different contexts look like? So I learned in Vietnam and other Asian countries, uh, also later when I was already working for Buurtzorg, I, I worked for a year in South Korea and a year in Japan. And there's all these, also lived there. My wife got a job there as a teacher. So we were really integrated into the community and not only in a working life, but also with just individuals from a consumer perspective. What does the healthcare system look like? For example, in in, in Japan, they have a bathing service, including in primary healthcare. So people fill up a tank, big tank of water with uh, minerals in in the water, and they drive it to the elderly or the sick in the, in the neighborhood, and they filter the water after again, and they put up a bath, a pop up bath, a pop up bath for like in the middle of the street. No, it? no, in the house. In the wow. In the house to, to because bathing is for them a part of health. Oh, it's kind of relaxing, right? It's relaxing, but it's also cleansing. It's also providing you your skin with, yeah. with the needed uh, treatment. And it's like a proved intervention. In it's a proven, in, in their context, it's a proven intervention, but it's also part of their culture. So if you, in Japan, the, the baths are quite a large part of their everyday life. Uh, they call them onsen. Every hotel that you go to has got its own onsen. And also from a cultural perspective, and and, and if you ask the elderly, what did you used to do in your prior life? The onsen will always come up. So it's also, for example, treating dementia or Alzheimer's disease. The link to what they used to be doing is that apparent that it also helps with these kinds of diseases. Wow. So it's a preventive way of working. Wow. Such different from how we look at it. Yes, I don't think in in Holland people would be very open to having a bath and carry it around the neighborhood. It will be quite fun. Yeah. (laughs) We could try it. Yeah, you can try it. Maybe. But but there's... and, And I think in Holland... If we standardize, and that's also what we're looking at the, at the moment with Buurtzorg, if we standardize too much, 
uh, what people's needs are, you don't get the best results. And, and that's one of the principles that will come up later a lot. If you don't know the person that you're working with, then how do you expect to treat that person with the best possible healthcare? If and you don't know what they want. If you don't know, it's not a car, it's not a machine. No. Every person is different. Yeah. We so have a big variation. There's a big variation and there's a big, big history behind every person. You were saying that you were sitting with Jos. I was sitting with Jos. Sweden and then, then and your, whole Sweden, birth, yeah. your, your whole Bootser story started. And then it began, yeah. Uh, there was more and more requests from other countries about implementing the Bootser model. And at that moment there was a project going on in, in Seoul, South Korea. And Jos asked me if I would be interested to help him uh, with this project. And I said, well, if that means that we can work together, but not too close together, and there's pretty much half of the world in between, then it sounds like a very good that's idea. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So that's how it started. And uh, yeah, there was also my, my first time public speaking for Bootsor was for then the 10th anniversary of the long-term care insurance in South Korea, where a large part of the parliament was in this big conference hall with 350 other people. Wow. It was my first time to do <laughs> a public speak, a public appearance. For such a lot of people. For such a lot of people, but also about the topic of Bootsor. And I've, I have a long... Uh, uh, my, my previous career was in the hospitality industry. So I'm, I'm, I'm not a stranger by speaking to, to people I, I don't know. But this was quite intimidating. So the, the night before, I, I wrote out word for word. I didn't sleep. I wrote out word for word what I wanted really? to tell the next day. Do you day. always do it? Why it was the first and the only first, time yeah. I did it. <laughs> you don't look like the person. Who no, but I got really nervous and, and, and then... The day itself, I thought I messed up. It was terrible. Oh. Oh, and I was so insecure. And then time after time, people came to me. Oh, that was really inspiring. You did a really good job. And then I came on television. And then so then I was so oh, if this is the standard and if this is good enough, I think I can do this for a living. I can do this. Yeah. <laughs> so nice. then from there, I moved on. And then uh, after Korea, moved to Japan. We already had a collaboration in Japan, a partnership. And uh, worked with my Japanese colleagues on a daily basis to try uh, to make the Buto model a success there. And then about two and a half years ago now, COVID affected oh, wow. everyone's life. You so couldn't travel. You couldn't, couldn't travel. And I had a regional function in yeah. Asia. So uh, we, I was actually in, in Holland when Japan went into a lockdown by coincidence. Yeah. Couldn't go back in. And your house... Was there and your wife was with you or? Um, my wife was well, luckily in Holland. Well. <laughs> so that, that, was, that was a bonus. But all our things in the house was uh, was left behind in, in Japan. And it, yeah, this uh, quite, uh, COVID had a different impact on everyone. But it, 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 for us, it was quite a special impact, quite, quite unpredictable. Yeah. Uh, and from that moment onwards, I moved from Buurtzorg Asia to Buurtzorg International. So Buurtzorg Asia, that's the Asian collaboration, as the name will 
already implicate uh, the Asian collaborations in uh, for for the international part of Butor and Butor International, thus the rest of the world. Yeah, what what is the core business of Butor International? What what the core business of Butor International is, in, in my eyes, advising. So um, a lot of systems are of course different than the Dutch system and to find a way to have the principles that we will speak about connect with the local culture, the local needs and also the requirements because it's it's an assumption from our side that these principles that we use within Butor are perceived as the most successful but it can be that in a certain other context it's not needed yeah. and we are against things that are not needed yeah, with that's, that's not in the principle. so if you then try to and because of the Dutch insurance system or because of the Dutch culture you think oh this is needed but you don't look with an open mind at the problem you have ahead of you yeah. you may then implement things that don't contribute yeah. towards anything so every time it's a journey Again, to look at the system of a country, look at the people you're dealing with, look at the possibilities. Um, of course, there's there's a lot of countries where the financial possibilities are less yeah, than we have in Holland. We have a, less, yeah. but for example, we have a very good and fun partner in Brazil, in Lasso Suarte, and they they have very little financial means, but they still with innovating thoughts and innovative ideas they managed to make it a success oh well and that's that's really that's inspiring, inspiring yeah. for us then to say well with with little means to make it a success and to still survive in a business way and then i look for example at, at partners in in western europe where they say oh we struggle financially and then i sometimes no, you don't. like to <laughs> bring up countries. brazil yeah <laughs> Oh well, and that's then a good example for those countries. Yeah. yeah, yeah, we can learn from each other, and 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 that is, I think, also the role that Buto International will have in in the future, is to be sort of a platform, a connecting platform between all the people around the world that are inspired wow. by the Buto methodology and the way of working, and where they can find each other and learn from each other. So Buto. Netherlands is a learning organization, and I think the Buter International will also be a learning organization in the future. But at the moment, we're still mainly working on inspiring from the lessons learned in the Netherlands, yeah. and then talk about it. That's beautiful. And how many countries is Buter now active? Or it's, it's difficult... To put a number on it, um, we have um, 26 countries at the moment where we had have had projects or having projects or partnerships. Um, but for me, it's sometimes also a surprise that even people we haven't been directly in, in contact with have read Reinventing Organizations or other books about Bootsor and really started diving into it, but never reached out to us. There's a lot of care organizations from around the world that feel inspired. And it's it's always funny to see that 
for example, a couple of months ago, there was a very nice article written in, in a magazine in Argentina. And then suddenly our mailbox is full with requests from Argentina for people who'd like to know more. Aww. And people who say they've been inspired for years, but never been in contact. And now, after this article, they think, well, we should get in contact. And the same counts for, for Israel. Um, I, would, I would love to have a, a sort of collaborative form between the care model in Israel and what we are doing with Bootsor. And I've been looking at it for quite a while. And more and more people start making themselves, yeah, noticed. But I got an email from Iraq. Iraq? A couple wow. of weeks ago, two doctors from Iraq that want to set up an integrated care system in the neighborhoods. Wow, and they, that's wonderful. And what they said in the email was quite nice because they said, we, we come from a system that was okay. The war in Iraq broke everything down. Yeah. But we want to build up something better than it was. We're going to do it. So we'd like to learn yet. from you. And, oh, and that, wow. that is quite a nice compliment. It is. Wow, that's a really nice story. I would love to hear more. I think we're first going to talk about the whole history of Wirtzburg, right? Yes. And Jos will join us for that. He's the embodiment of the history he is behind the history. Wirtzburg. Yeah. He's, uh, yeah, he is the history. <laughs> yeah. So Jos is going to join us for a few parts of the podcast. Yeah. Yes. But I will talk mainly with you about all the principles. For uh, language purposes... Language yeah, we call it stone call English, right? Stone call English. Stone call English. Yeah, no, it's Jos is, 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 is I've I've learned a lot from him. Yeah. Um, in in the way to try to inspire people to do the right thing, uh, especially in care, but but also, uh, we were always triggered when I was a child to ask critical questions. You still do. Still do. Spend two days with you now and you still do. Yeah. yeah. And, mm-hmm. and and teachers in school weren't always a big fan of that. Um, but it, it got us to the point where if you don't ask the critical questions, you will go up in the crowd. And what yeah. we try to do also with with the partnerships that we have with Bootsor International, ask the critical questions. If a system is the way it is, don't accept it for what it is, but ask the critical questions. Why can't it change? Why should an organization adapt to the rules if the rules don't make any sense? And that's what I learned from Jos. And I think that that's also the history behind Bootsorg and the history how Bootsorg Netherlands came about. And he's the best person to tell to this. Tell that. Well, let's start then. Great. What a history. Thank you, Thijs. If you liked listening to this podcast, follow me on iTunes or Spotify. If you have any questions or brilliant ideas, feel free to mail to podcast.buurtzorg.com and we will answer you right away. See you in the next episode.